1: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a terrific weekend, a great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Andrew Donaldson. Always a great time talking to Andrew. Uh, And we we covered quite a bit. Uh, We we talked about just the general media landscape in 2023, and uh, we talked about the incentives um, as to why your your favorite and least favorite uh, journalists and talking heads Uh, why they are incentivized to bring you the news the way they do. So um, I I hope the show helps you understand kind of the landscape out there and why you're seeing the kind of reporting that you are on both sides of the aisle. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I get to Andrew, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmickspod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, River Podcast. Make sure to subscribe. If you are an Apple user, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Andrew Donaldson. All right guys, we're here with my brother Andrew Donaldson, Andrew. How you been, man?
0: I'm good, sir. How are you? How's things up in the great land of OH?
1: It's uh we're getting that uh Canadian wildfire smoke again, so you guys will be enjoying
0: that in 48 72 hours. It's uh it's some it's, I was reading some the other day about the Northwest expansion, and I'm talking Northwest when Ohio was the northwest of the country. We're talking like oh, yeah. 1820s,
1: 1830s. Still is, right?
0: Yeah, and they and they're like, "Well, we're going to the Northwest or the West was like Kentucky." Yeah. That was the west. So it's it's funny thinking about that sort of thing. And then Canada was like this. You might as well have been on the moon if you were talking about Canada. And now it's just like, oh yeah, Ohio, whatever. It's a couple hours away. It's just funny how how much our countries changed from the early days. Where I was reading that stuff, I think it was a document from like 1828, and they were talking about the Northwest Territory. Of course, Northwest Territory. We're like, oh, you know, you know, Canada, Vancouver, Seattle. Yeah. Like, no, they're talking about like the Ohio River. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> their, their world was a lot smaller than ours.
1: Yeah, man. Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. The wild frontier was like Nashville, <laughs> like central Tennessee at the time, you know?
0: Yeah. It, it, the cutting through the Cumberland Gap takes you about 45 minutes now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. so, thanks, Davy. Appreciate it. Good good work, buddy. <laughs> so, man, I want to
1: talk about just the general media landscape that we're living in right now, and specifically on the right yes. Because it's been funny watching it all come together, and it it really has been fascinating. Because when I started the show, I think it was February 2017, um, we were just coming out of, like, the old-school media world. Where, like, it's just like the typical lefty media, you know, the left kind of controlled everything, the flow of information. And then you had, like, Rush Limbaugh and, like, the Fox News primetime people who were, like, the big, brash right-wingers or whatever. And then the the left was kind of everything else. And... It's just not like that anymore. Things like Twitter, you know, giving people voices, stuff like that, social media, obviously. And then all these conservative media companies have taken off, and not just in terms of commentary. There's always been, you know, to a certain extent, a lot of right-wing commentators, but these guys actually have journalists now on on the ground. Not not They don't have, yeah. like, international war correspondents or anything, but they're covering yeah. Washington without, you know, the vetting of, like, you know, what I would call regime journalists, right? Um and that 's great I like that 's good. I like seeing these companies do well. I think it's you know, more diverse opinions is a good thing. however, what i don 't think a lot of republicans a lot of right wingers understand is that a lot of these new media right wingers are just responding to incentives the exact same way corporate media has always responded to incentives you know and it's different incentives but it's still financial incentives like it's not like yeah traditional media if you look at who advertises on cnn it's like defense contractors and big pharma right so they're incentivized to lie on behalf of these these corporations and new media it's they're incentivized to lie too because they make their money their bread is buttered by just simping for the trump campaign essentially and i'd say That's less immoral, (laughs) at least on my own personal scale, than like simping for Lockheed Martin and Pfizer. But, like, even with all the progress made, still, like, people need to understand no one is incentivized to tell you the truth, even if they're working for like a a conservative, quote unquote, conservative
0: company. Now, okay, so news media has a hierarchy to it. Right. It's a TV show first. Let's start with cable news because that's the easy one. Everybody's watched and everybody knows what that is. So it makes it a little easier. Except me. I haven't had cable since 2010. Well, I don't watch – I very rarely watch the networks unless it's like breaking news anymore. But anyway, so network TV news, it's a TV show first and foremost. It's a business model second. It's an exclusive in-club third. Yeah, that, that's and what people do Once don't you understand do those too. three things, every now and then they do random acts of journalism fourth because most of those people are journalists, but those first three things are – think about the – and this isn't all necessarily a bad thing. It's just it, it always tends towards people's bad things. The NFL is not a sport. It's a TV show. Right. And the reason the NFL is bigger than any other sport by multitudes of factors of three and four and five is they figured out they're a TV show first. And everything they do is, how do we make this better on TV? Absolutely everything they do is, how do we, the best game, they change the schedule week to week to get the best game on TV. They pump up their start. They got it. That's their business model. Network news is the exact same way. So let's back up for a second because you covered a lot of ground there, but we need to understand how we got here to understand how this media worked before. Let's go back to the 80s. I know that was a long time ago before Rush Limbaugh and talk radio. And there was others, but Rush was the standard. So let's just go with Rush. Before Rush, all you had was the Walter Cronkite model of talking head on the network news. He said it, that that's it, whatever was in the newspaper. But the people on TV were getting all their stuff from the newspaper. It was all symbiotic. It all flowed. That was pretty much it. There wasn't anything else for the average consumer. There's no internet. Then you get Rush Limbaugh and his, again, and even Rush, it wasn't just his ideology. It was his business model that was revolutionary. This is really important. Just stay yep. with me for a second. Yep. Rush Limbaugh's business model was revolutionary because now the advertisers are not for a network or even for a radio show. They were advertising Rush himself. Yes. The personality. The reason that's so important is because Fox News and the behemoth that it became in cable news was completely based off the Rush Limbaugh business model. Everybody's like, well, it's conservative. No, 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 that's not why it was popular. That's the audience it attracted, but that's not what made it popular. Right. They took Rush's business model, which was extremely successful, and translated it to TV to a different audience because Rush at his peak had 20 to 25 million listeners on his radio program, which nobody's ever going to see that ever again with the diffused media market. So now you have Fox, which is still doing several million in primetime every night. That was their business model big personality that reaches a core audience and then you advertise to that core audience because that core audience will be very faithful to those products. Same reason NASCAR works, Mm -hmm. right? NASCAR for years until about five years ago was the number one, uh, retention for advertisers. If it was, if your driver had that product, you were buying that product. It was like in the 80 percentile, Mm -hmm. right? Business model, business model, business model. The problem with the, like the CNNs of the world, and the New York Times of the world and the Washington Post and New York Times and Washington Post and there's LA Times again, but they're pretty much the only ones still making money and doing decent on the business end of it because they have the legacies. And even then it's you know, yeah. I mean, they're not they're not changing the world, but they're surviving mm-hmm. what's going on. Those all were based off the old newspaper model of advertising. So now as they've moved over to digital, they've had to figure out how do we balance our ideology and what we want to make a model for the advertisers to reach the audience we want. Fox figured it out, and it worked. MSNBC's tried it about four different ways, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it wasn't, and it only works when they get a personality that really hits with their audience. You get a Rachel Maddow, somebody like that who connects with their audience. CNN is struggling right now because they don't have any personalities that hit the audience because, frankly, I don't think they know what their audience is right now. They can't figure it out. So you can take all these things. That's how we got to this new media. But what's happened now in the Internet age is where all the – we need to quit calling it new media because it's been 15 years now. The new media, since social media, since the rise of right-wing media, they are now becoming the institutionalized media. They've been around a while. Even newer stuff like Daily Wire, it's been around for a while. Even stuff like Fox News, it's been around. Stuff like that it's now becoming institutionalized. They have overhead, they have staffs, they have buildings, they have networks, they have, ready, advertisers. They have to keep hitting those marks to keep that beast fed, and that's just how business works. Anytime you're dealing with media, there's always two sides of it. There's what you're being presented, and then there's the business. And you always have to keep those two things in mind when you're dealing, whether it's right-wing media, left-wing media, progressive media, institutional media, old-school media, telegraph, whatever, the presentation you're seeing in front of you and the business side behind it, you have to understand both, or you lose perspective on both, and then you're lost, and then you'll believe anything.
1: Yeah, no, that's 100% right, and it's just, I was, I was watching this a lot, a lot of this stuff unfold over the weekend too, and it's just with the, 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 the symbiotic Trump media brand of of new media. They they have a problem. I mean, they, they do have a problem because they're making their money from Trump fans. And there's a lot of them out there and there's a lot of money to be made. And a lot of these people are making money hand over fist. But the issue is that Donald Trump doesn't agree with the base, his own base, the base of the Republican Party on anything, you know, so no. they just have to. But to keep making that money, <laughs> they just have to lie about it. You know, Trump says on a daily basis that he did nothing wrong during COVID. He defends the lockdowns and Anthony Fauci and all that. And it's like, whether you agree with that or not, that's obviously not where his own supporters are. Um, his supporters obviously don't believe that. He was asked over the weekend, you know, what would you do about the Ukraine war? And he said ex- he would do exactly what Joe Biden is doing. <laughs> You're like, I'll I'll tell both sides to knock it off and then I'll just, you know, send a bunch of weapons.
0: You're like, OK, all right. So and now th- he's back being friendly to Zelensky, who he's been trashing for the last four years. and He was mad about the thing. He's like, oh, no, I'm, we're good now. It's like, what? Right. what, what, what? Right. So need he, a flowchart for this.
1: So he's like, he comes out and says, well, I'll do the exact same thing the Biden administration's doing. And then the headlines on right wing media are like Trump promises to do the opposite of what Joe Biden's doing and end the war in 24 hours. Or, you're like, all right, I watched I watched the interview. That's not what he said. That's the opposite of what he said. You know, like on even on the cultural stuff, like the Disney stuff, transgender stuff. Like he he doesn't agree, agree with his own voters on anything. He's a seventy eight year old New York liberal, but to keep the money train coming, these people have to just lie and lie and lie. And it's like,
0: yeah,
1: guys, it's there's a whole strategy, at least online on social media, based around the hope, which is probably correct, unfortunately, that people aren't going to read for themselves. They're not going to read the article. They're not going to actually watch the former president speak themselves, they're just gonna read a headline and retweet it, and it's like, man, I mean, that, that's not a that is that I know I don't know much, man, but I know that's not a sustainable business model.
0: No, it's not, and the problem now is people have, although there's a mass of people to do exactly what you just said. So I deal with them every day; it's very frustrating. They just whatever they read and whatever they see. What's the <laughs> What's the old line? They they believe everything they hear and they believe everything they see and there's just no way – you just can't penetrate it. Like whatever the last thing, whoever they like said it, whether it's a talking head or a radio personality or somebody on social media, they just believe it no matter what. And you just can't ever get through that. The problem is is everybody else, whatever number that is, they have the ability now to get their information a la carte. That's how I do it. I don't trust any media, but I know – I know really good reporters that work for really good places and I follow that specific reporter or I'll follow this specific commentator. Or there's this, hey, I know this this guy I I just interviewed for my own show this morning, Dr. Michael Siegel. I have him on all the time, just one of the smartest people on the planet. So when I have a science question, I call him up and ask it. You know, you can use your social media now to talk to you don't have to just go to Fox News for all your information or CNN for all your information or pick any outlet. I'm not picking on them. It's just those are the big ones. They just this old mindset we have of okay, well I'll pick this outlet and they will always tell me the accurate information. That's just gone now. You got to get that out of your head. Yeah. So now it's you need to take a little bit of responsibility of like okay, no matter how much I like this person, there's going to be something they do that isn't right somewhere in there, and I need to have enough perspective to know when they do it. That bit you're talking about that business model there. There's, you know, I don't I'm not going to talk out of school here, but very good friend of mine works in an outlet that's very very anti-Trump. And I, I joke with them all the time. I was like, well, I could never write with you guys. I'd lose my <laughs> I'd lose all my street cred. Why is that? It's like, because it's all nothing but anti-Trump. Because that's their business model. And they're doing really, very well. God bless. I want everybody to eat well. But it's just like, that's all they ever do. So yeah. now they're in this thing where Trump's, like, there's no plan B when Trump leaves the scene.
1: It's so bizarre because I mean, his age alone yeah. is like, why? Why would you, you know, if you see... A thirty-five-year-old reporter who has made his entire livelihood centered around
0: loving or hating Trump. It's like the man because, is nearly eighty. Media-wise, these comp- Donald Trump is the biggest thing to ever happen to news media, maybe ever, at least in the modern era. Not, yeah. Maybe the Lewinsky scandal is the only thing I can think of, but even that's I don't different think so. because yeah, there so. well, it was a different era. We we were just starting to get the internet. Things like, but now where you have people, you know, people like us, content creators, we, we do this and we get, you know, what we get for it. There's nothing that's been better for people like us and for the news media, the big news media. I'm talking ABC, CNN, whether you're the least paid podcaster to the guy on the network news, nothing has affected your bottom line and your ability to make money in public like Donald J. Trump has. That's just the truth. Oh yeah. For him or against him, that's been the biggest business model thing in probably my lifetime, and everybody can do it. And people don't want to let go of it. People are made made more money in the last six seven years on Donald Trump than they had made, you know, doing the old school shoe leather stuff. It's just the truth. That's where all the money is. Yeah. I I give you a perfect example. I got a friend of mine who's a very respect. I mean, high level investigative journalist was on the board of National Press Club, like legit journalist. Spent a over a year working on this story out on the reservations about these missing women. Couldn't yeah. get anybody to pay a lick of attention to any of it. You, you remember this episode I did. Couldn't get anybody to pay attention to it at all. Finally gave the story away, even though they had paid thousands of dollars out of their own pocket covering this cause they couldn't get anybody to cover it. Yeah. Gabby Petito happens. And then all of a sudden every, all those people that turned her down called her because now it's the new hotness. And I'm, I'm bringing that as an example because that's exactly how the media w- works. And it's it's not even an evil thing in and of itself. It's just business. I get it. But it's the same way with politics. Once something gets hot, everybody goes with the hot thing. And Trump is hot and Trump even somewhat diminished now. Trump still makes more money than anybody else does. He gets more clicks. He gets more views. He gets more ratings, all of it. And they don't know what else to do. So pro and against, everybody's going to be Trump-centric until Trump passes off the scene.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, if uh, if I write an article that has the name Trump in the headline, pro or against, the publications I write for are going to promote it a heck of a lot more than when I don't.
0: Yeah, I've been asked. Can, <laughs> I've, I've literally been asked, right? Like, can you work Trump into this?
1: <laughs> and I've always said no. What's the
0: all right off the top of your head? What is
1: the most? What have you been working on that was the most ridiculously far apart from something that's related to Trump that you were asked to? tie Trump
0: into. Way back when I first started writing and I still didn't really know what I was doing. And somebody had reached out and said, Hey, would you write this? And and I've I've been really blessed as a writer where I've I, I kind of walked in off the street with no knowledge of it and got lucky in a lot of ways to get good people to guide me. But I was I was dealing with an outlet and they said, Would you write this? And I was like, all right, so I don't know any better. I just write what I want to write and say what I think and I don't really assage it too much. But I sent it into this this editor. And they sent it back and they literally that that's that was the line. I really like everything about this, but can you work Trump in it? So I'm not just <laughs> saying that off my top. I've actually had that in my email a couple of times. And I and I I wrote back and I was like, nothing about this is about Trump. <laughs> and it, I'm this is a little verbatim because I can't remember. But the gist of what he replied was, he's like, I know, but nobody will read what you're re- what, talking about unless we get Trump in there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, it yeah, wasn't man. like it wasn't like I was writing about, you know, how to clean your swimming pool. Let's get Trump <laughs> in it. You know, it was it was politics. And I think it was about the if I remember right. It was mostly about the Republican Party and how they they, they were coming apart at the seams institutionally, mm-hmm. you know, like because the pack money was just, you know, the pack money is replaced the parties for all practical purposes. Right, right. So it was that kind of thing. It's like, will work Trump in it. I was like, well, I can mention it maybe. And we we did like a little two-line thing and kind of worked in it. <laughs> but, I, but here's the thing. I don't blame that person. No, no. Because what's their job? Their job is, and, and it wasn't like they were mad at me or anything. It's like their job is to try to get it read and get clicks and get advertised. Like that's their job. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, 2017, 2018 when Trump was just the hottest thing ever. And, you know, look, when I first started doing this stuff, it you saw it on Twitter, too, because we used to joke about it. Route six, six thirty seven. Every journalist in America went up, Trump's up. And the reason that that joke was so big (laughs) was Trump got up. He tweeted three or four things as soon as usually somewhere between six, six, thirty, six, forty five. He would tweet like three or four things. And everybody that's a writer jumped on it because we had our we take whatever he tweeted and we had our stuff wrote and we were done by noon for the day. That's how yep. it worked. That's yeah. why we all want Trump to get back on Twitter, by the way, because that was a pretty good schedule. I like that. But now it's a lot. It was easy. Yeah. Trump is easy to cover. He gives you really hard, um, hard's not the right word. He gives you really inflammatory stuff, and I don't mean just the bad stuff. I just mean stuff that hits everybody hard. Yeah. No matter what he does, Trump was so easy to cover for everybody, for and against. That's a big part of this media story. So lately, you know, Trump's harder to cover because you don't just have his tweets. You have to go to – and frankly, Trump's campaigning very lightly. He's not doing a lot of no, stuff right now because no, he's he does to have to. He, somebody either by design or by accident, he's figured out like, man, I'm already over – you know, your whole th- goal in an election, you've done consulting. Get your candidate over 50 percent and then coast it and don't screw it up. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. Well, that's where he's at right now. So I get their theory. They're like, well, just let's not do anything stupid here. So that's where they're at. That all goes into this media thing you're talking about is Trump was that path of least resistance. It was easy writing about Donald Trump for and against. Oh yeah, And man. it's hard to write about Biden and it's hard to write about some of these other guys. And DeSantis, you got to kind of figure out this. And then you got all the, you know, the who's. Whosoever ran, as my dad called him the other day, and just absolutely cracked me up. Um, old preacher, he's like the whosoever wills. These are the whosoever mm-hmm. ran's um, of the GOP primary. You got to go and learn and figure out how to how to do what it. Trump's just easier, man. It's yeah. just easier, and the media can make if you can do it easier, and it makes money. You don't need a flowchart to explain that to people.
1: No, no, not at all. And, and that's simple. Yeah, and it was funny when when all the social media companies kicked Trump off. <laughs> In uh in 2021, I was man watching the journalists squeal was just I'm like yeah fellas you're gonna have to actually
0: work for the first time in five years <laughs> you know it, it, do you remember about, do you remember it, what journalism there is, is there is, yeah. voli- there is voli- look I'm one of them too look it, you know if I'm working at ordinary times I could throw up one Trump piece in the morning and my my view counts are done for the day because yeah. I know that's going to go for you know between the commentators and people sharing it you put a Trump thing up and and we try to you know. Try to hold standards pretty good. We didn't just throw garbage out, but he was actually saying really meaningful stuff. Usually wrongly, but he was saying it. Yeah. So it was stuff. It was legit stuff. It, Trump. Trump's really odd too. It, this is something we, we were just talking about. DeSantis the other day doing TV for another brand. The GOP candidates. Trump. You'd think he talks in buzzwords, but he really doesn't. If you actually break down and listen to what he listens to, he's not a buzzword guy. Like He'll throw out a woke every once in a while and stuff, but he does the thing during a speech. When you, if you watch him on video doing a speech, you can tell when he's reading and when he's not because mm-hmm. he does a thing where he leans a little bit and then he'll get that cadence. And the woke ideology, that's not Trump's words, that's him reading it. Right, right. But when he's just riffing, he doesn't really use a lot of the buzzwords and stuff. No. And it's so lyrically to your ear different, especially if you do radio and stuff because you start listening to cadence and stuff. It's so lyrically different to what all the other candidates on the GOP are doing because all of them, it comes off just a little bit like it's a second language. Yeah. Because they got to get that buzzword in it. They got to make sure they say woke. They got to make sure they say the Fed or what, you know, pick whatever you want. But it always just sounds a little bit, just a little bit. It's like, you know, it's like when I'm I'm West Virginia, man, I go up to Ohio. They can just tell, you know, they, it's just that little <laughs> bit off. There's something to that, to Trump, even to this day, even when he's just riffing, the buzzwords don't come off like a buzzword. Yeah, he just does that stuff naturally. And and it made him such a media phenomenon, because one thing about Trump, good, bad or indifferent, hate him, love him, vote for him, don't vote for him, whatever you never. I've never once not thought Donald Trump was being Donald Trump. Like he's always Donald Trump. And just about every other politician, at some point, you're just going, okay, is that him or is that him? You know, is he is he running a rib right now? And Trump never does that. And that's what made him so powerful media wise and why he's still, you know, lapping the field, at least right now.
1: Yeah. And this should go without saying, but I just want to remind the audience and, and, you know, you've had a million of these experiences as well. You've done cable news and a whole bunch of other podcasts, as I have, all across the political spectrum. I'll never—obviously, I would never call out one of my friends or colleagues publicly. That's not how I roll. But if you're just talking about new media on the right, there's a whole lot of pundits, commentators on the right who, in private, talk about how much they can't stand Trump. They hate him. They think he's a terrible candidate. They think he was a failed president. And then you go to their Twitter feed, and it looks like they're auditioning to give Trump a blowjob or something. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. You know. And it's like, guys— I, if you look at what people were saying years ago versus what they're saying now, and if it's if it if if they've completely flipped on all of the big issues or whatever, it, just follow the money, man. Like who's advertising on their shows?
0: Where they will is all their tell bread and butter? They can't wait till it's over. Every single oh, yeah. to a oh, person, yeah. they're like, I can't wait till we're done with this. I've heard it for years. Every every single one for again for Donald Trump and against Donald Trump. They're oh like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be so glad when we're done with this Trump thing. But it's it's just the business that we're dealing it's with too right much now. money. They man. Can't get, there's too much money. There's too much attention and he won't go away like this is the first you know, he, he just won't go away. He's never going to go away. He's never going to let it go. He never no. lets it. Go. So folks just kind of innately know like, all right, he ran again. We knew he was going to run again. And then there was kind of that little pause of like, is he really going to run or is he going to run as just like, a, oh, I'm running for fundraising stuff. No, he's he he's doing both. He's not really running, but he's just trashing everybody right now. So he may not have to. It's 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 I don't even know how to explain. It. We've never really seen anything like it, but it's exactly what you said. All those people, both born again, will tell you I cannot wait until this is over. But at the same time, they're all doing really, really well at it. Yeah. But the other side of that is and you said this and it's important. One of the reasons I'm really careful about what I do and where I do and who I associate with. They know, they know after this is done, that people are going to be able to look up what they did. And it's something I remind myself, I tell young people when I'm mentoring them, I'm like, you want to be really careful with this current, especially the people who are starting out in media right now. I was like, listen, you don't want to do anything right now, then in 20 years, you got to try to explain to a major media person that you're asking for a job for, because a lot of them, that's why they like, that's why they're like that, why they want it to be over, because they know. They're like, man, I've got I've got tape on this now. Yeah, I've got video on this now. I've got to explain this now, and like again, I'm not gonna judge people because everybody gotta feed their family and and whatever. Oh, of course, of course. But that's why they react that way. Like what you're saying is like they 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 in the pit of their heart, Jerry. They they know, <laughs> you know, they know yeah. that every there's going to be a reckoning at some point with the media folks. Where it's like, oh, well, you did that, and it's gonna hurt folks in, down the run to whatever this this media will evolve into something else later, and whatever's later isn't gonna look like this, and that's gonna hurt some folks down the line. I'm afraid. You no, know, a lot of people have made themselves unemployable forever, and I feel bad
1: for them. You know, like it's a lot of people are gonna have a tough road if they want to continue making a living in media. Well, once... if, if
0: me, not to interrupt you, media is media is now audience driven. If you can't attract an audience, you're toast. It doesn't matter if you have a TV show or a blog or a podcast. If you can't attract an audience, you're toast. And the audience can look you up now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what's the big difference.
1: And it also has real-world consequences, too, because when you have people without any principles at all, which is most people in media, but when the conversation is being driven by these people that are completely devoid of any kind of principles in terms of policy, you get stuff that makes no sense at all. Like, you just get these Frankenstein— if you and I'm I'm talking specifically on the right now too. And, I mean, it's, it's similar on the left too. But on the on the right with this the Trump media on the right, you get these Frankenstein monster policies that make no sense at all. And like, you know, you get guys saying, "Oh, we shouldn't be funding the war in Ukraine." Totally, I personally, I totally agree. And then they'll seem they'll transition seamlessly into, "Oh yeah, you know, we shouldn't antagonize Russia because we should be antagonizing China." <laughs> you know, you're like, wait. What and they're like, oh, we can't, we can't bomb the Middle East. We should be bombing Mexico, the drug cartels in Mexico. And you're like, okay, do you guys hear yourself talk? Like this is crazy. <laughs> like you get people that claim to love capitalism and then attack anybody who even suggests reforming entitlements, which is kind of the only way to save the economy because the stuff's coming due. I mean, you know, Social Security's be insolvent by whatever 2031 or I forget, I forget what they say, but. It's like, guys, these aren't real positions. These aren't real policies. These are just words that make people feel better about themselves. But the taxpayers, it it hurts. It hurts the country. It hurts the taxpayers because these these things are not attainable, and they make no sense. These are not cohesive thoughts at all. I mean, you can't, you just can't, you can't, you know, oppose the war in Afghanistan for the last decade then want to go to war with the cartels in Mexico because that war would go much, much worse than the Afghanistan war did. Almost certainly. So it's like, I don't yes, know. I the, I mean, this... That's
0: a lot closer, too. Yeah.
1: Yep. Do we want bombs going off in El Paso? Because that's how you make that happen.
0: You know what we You know what we do? And I'm, I'm talking we as a people here, so I'm going to broad brush mm-hmm. this. You talk about what you want to talk about. And what happens is it's a lot easier to talk about that stuff than the fact that I just read here over the weekend. I was doing some background reading on something. We've already added another trillion to the deficit since we raised the debt limit a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like, we don't want to talk about that thirty two trillion everybody knows social security is in into into its Ponzi scheme phase. let's just call it what it is like there 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 is no money to cover everything we got to cover it's just not existent We know that we don't want to really do anything. We can yell about the Mexico border because that's a lot easier than talking about things like you know, drug mitigation programs, which are icky and sticky and have a lot of dirty parts to them. People don't want to deal with it. So it's, oh, we'll just scream about Mexico on the border. It's like, OK, fine. But this person right here beside you has an addiction. I spent all day yesterday with somebody who just got out of rehab, somebody I love very dearly, very proud of them. But it's like, OK, but it's easier to scream about the Mexican border than actually talk about, you know, up in clarksburg west virginia where you have this massive opioid epidemic going on and then the people in the town voted down building a rehab center outside of town it was just adjacent to the town and they rejected it it's like but i guarantee you those people want to scream about fentanyl and coming across the board it's like Mm -hmm. okay that's fine but a lot of this is we want to talk about russia we want to talk about mexico as long as we talk about that we don't have to deal with some really big problems that we don't have good answers to. We don't have a good answer on how we're going to reel in government. Because by the way, any any politician tells you they're going to do away with the bureaucracy is lying to you. They can't. It's just my pet peeve for this right now. It just drives me crazy. You can pare it down, but you're not going to eliminate a bureaucracy. You can cut it down a lot, but government spending that just, that just cracks my cracks my brain sometimes. They're talking about well we're spending a couple billion there because it's like we added. Do you understand the second biggest expenditure of the federal government right now is paying the interest on the debt? Yeah. We spend more money on paying interest on the debt than we do on the military. So you by the, twice by the way, twice I'm, as much twice as much. Uh, yeah, by multitudes. I'm like I'm all for railing in, you know, the problem with the we don't have I forget who said this right him. We don't have an industrial military complex anymore. We have an industrial military You know, Trinity, there's really only two or three or four companies now. That's actually the problem where there used to be hundreds. Now there's only Mm -hmm. a couple. That's actually the problem with them. That's where you get all the the really nasty money, um, basically laundering political money through them. That stuff, I'm all for cutting that. We could cut so much waste out of DOD people. It would blow people's mind without ever touching anything that involves an actual troop, a Mm -hmm. uniform personnel. You could do it but we don't want to talk about that icky stuff because it's easier to just yell about Mexico. And then you get people saying really silly things like, well, we just need to take the military and bomb the cartels. Like, no, you (laughs) idiots. No. No.
1: Not not only the civilian toll. You know, obviously, the cartels using civilians as human shields and all that. Just from a a basic military standpoint, these people people are extremely well-funded and armed
0: and trained and prepared. It's not like... It's it, my good well, to mention Mexico is still, at least on paper, a sovereign country that would probably not appreciate us doing that.
1: Well, there's that.
0: There's that. <laughs> there's that. There's that as well. But yeah, this isn't. I, I don't know. It's like these people. Anytime they talk
1: about, I mean, they in, conservatives say the same thing about Taiwan, right? They'll be like, "Oh, we shouldn't worry about Ukraine. We don't care about Ukraine, but we should send the navy to
0: defend Taiwan from the Chinese." <laughs> I'm like, I, what? I, I, what? I know you and me disagree on a lot of foreign policy stuff, and I'm basically like a warmonger compared to you on a lot of things. But I'm really amazed at how many of these anti-war people just demand violence to every solution to every problem. They just, they just want to fight. every. I'm like, man, I thought you were like anti-war, but you want like every other word is like, let's just go kill this guy. Like, well, wait a minute. Damn, man. <laughs> it goes back to what you were saying, foreign policy especially. And I'm I'm one of those rare people that actually do still care about foreign policy. It's getting lonely out here, let me tell you. Foreign policy, domestic policy, fiscal policy, like you're just talking about, Social Security, that's a fiscal policy, social policy, whatever policy you want to name. I've really become to where I appreciate cohesive, coherent consistency on that policy more than just about anything, even if it's not perfect, even if it's slightly wrong, at least be cohesive so we know what we're dealing with. And we have so many of these people that they just they just react, 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 and there's no cohesion to any of it. So, like, we're not talking about Afghanistan or the Mexico border or the DOD and the fraud. Look, I I could tell I, I sat in Iraq and watched the fraud, waste, and abuse where every contractor has his own truck to drive around in to drive the half a mile from the hut he's sleeping in. <laughs> that was built for four people, but he gets it by himself because he's a KBR guy. But if you put troops in there, there's got to be four. And Like, I, know, right. I can tell you about fraud, waste, and abuse all day long. Mm-hmm. I'm very much against it. I don't like it. But if you think about all those things together, you start getting a coherent... Thing of okay it's not just Don't bomb this country or don't pay this Contractor it's This contractor makes money when you bomb this Country and you start putting a Cohesive thought together how to Actually deal with that problem does that make sense Yeah like you got to put all those things together And then you talk about bureaucracy and then You talk about fraud waste and abuse and Then you talk about corruption in DC then you Get a full picture of it because if It's just this and this and this you wind up Sounding really silly
1: yeah Yeah And there's no—you know, I think right-wing media—and we can wrap up here. I know we're almost out of time, but—
0: We could go all day on this stuff, because this stuff's important. It doesn't trend, but it's important. I
1: I think they would be better, and they would cover Trump in a more normal, not not so sycophantic way if they cared if Trump won or lost. But there's no— thought to that but even honestly the the trump team like his his campaign it's worse for them if he becomes president again because <laughs> they're gonna actually work they'd have to actually work for a living for the first time in their lives you know what i mean like that's not good yeah. for them you know so it's like there's so much money if you look like the Carrie lake types and stuff like she's just this crazy lady who's just just managed to lose a red state you know turn it blue forever now and it's like there's money to be made in losing so it's not even just that these people prefer a candidate that I you know I prefer a different candidate than them it's I don't care about that it's that these people just make so much money on Trump no matter what whether he wins or loses probably even more if he loses cuz this the whole you know the right likes to blame the left of having this whole victim complex you know the victimization mentality and the oppression olympics and all that they're doing the same thing cuz they're just like you know they just lose and lose and lose and they whine and say it's stolen from them and then they make a bunch of money and it's like man the, the people know incentives are right. You know, like if they were actually zealots and they were actually, they, they cared about Trump's policies and they thought Trump was the best man for the job and they really wanted him to become president again for reason A, B, or C, that I'd be like, okay, fine. Like, sure, try to make that happen if, if that's what you think is best for the country. But they don't care. I mean, it does not matter to these people if he wins or loses. It does matter to me. I mean, like when Republicans are in power, I have more money. Generally, you know, really, I you know, when you're a middle class guy and you live kind of your expendable income is in the margins. Yeah, man. Like when the economy is doing well, when Republicans are, are getting good stuff passed, like I have extra cash in my pocket. I'm affected by it. <laughs> I'm affected by elections. Maybe these guys aren't. And God bless them if you're rich enough to, to be above that. But like, yeah, it's just none of the incentives make sense. You know, none of the incentives align with their own base, their own supporters. And it's just I don't know, man. I mean, until that changes, until they're until some of these people have are incentivized to tell the truth and do the right thing and actually perform acts of journalism, not a lot's going to change anytime soon.
0: I have a uh, my loathing for the people you just described, and journalists are guilty of this. The media is very guilty of this. The institutions of our government, which are important, they're they're there for <laughs> that fence is on that farmland for a reason. Leave the fence there. You ever heard that one? Um, and our political parties have a lot of blame, and us, the people, have a lot of blame on this. Here's here's where I really have loathing for these people. What, what you're talking about is we've had bad presidents, we've had idiot presidents, we've had downright wicked men be president, let's all be adults here. We've had some very bad people be president. Oh, yeah. Country survived. Country survived. What a country can't survive is not a bad president or a bad ideology or a bad politician. They can't survive chaos. And what you just described is they're people who are rooting for chaos. For their own enrichment. Yep. That's chaos is way worse than just having a bad president or a bad senator or a bad congressman. They're rooting for chaos, and chaos is when you start tearing a country up. That's when people really get hurt, not just not just their feelings hurt. I'm talking generational kind of problems. Yep. Where like you were talking about, you know, money, like you know, poverty is a generational problem. It takes mm-hmm. a while to get you out of that. You can get back in it real fast, but it takes you a while to get mm-hmm. out of it. Things like that, if you really wreck an economy, you can have generational poverty. If you have chaos, I loathe people who are okay with chaos as long as it benefits them. Those are the people you got to really watch out for. And they come in all stripes. They've got all kinds of different—they come as progressives, conservatives, libertarians, purple hippopotamuses. They come in all stripes those are the people you mark we got a lot of them in media we got a lot of mm-hmm. the professional consulting classes full of these people <laughs> yes they want they want chaos because as long as there's chaos somebody will pay them money to do something those are the people that are really doing damage it's not just the person who does something i disagree with but they're honest with it because they think it's they think it's a better path than i do and we disagree on it that's one thing these people just want chaos is what you're really describing, and they really deserve our loathing, and we should mark them, and we should call them. I like, like well, my dad used to just call crazy makers. They're mm-hmm. just crazy makers. They just want chaos. Chaos is bad for the country, and it's bad for all, all of us. Uh, we should always resist chaos, especially chaos for profit.
1: A hundred percent, yeah. Uh, it is truly wicked, that the chaos for, for profit. It, and it's, it's funny, man. I've had a lot of people um like DM me and— and uh, even, like, guests on the podcast, they're like, oh, wait, wait, you're like an anarcho-capitalist. Don't you want the whole system to burn down? I'm like, well, no. They're like, why? Like, because I live here. <laughs> like, what do you say? Ta- like yeah, I, ha- I do hold some very radical policies that I do believe sure. in my heart to be correct. That does not mean I want chaos, and I want everything to fall apart all at once. I mean, it's like, you know, you see a lot of libertarians, like, cheering that on, cheering on the chaos. And I'm like— Man, I guess. I mean, if you live on an island by yourself,
0: but uh, I live in a major city and I have a wife and a daughter, so
1: that's just yeah. not
0: that doesn't work hey, for me, brother. I I got daughters, man. I kind of want some of them institutions to hold up a little bit. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know? And and they're all older now. You know, my youngest is in her teens, but I've got adult children now, and I'm watching them kind of figure. I got I, I, oldest kid when first started working post college had her first real real job, not just a college job, like professional mm-hmm. job. So funny. She's like, I know, you know, political people. Can you, can you, do you know the contact for the attorney general of the state she lives in that will go unnamed? The attorney general was like, yeah, because where and what it was, was she was, she was learning the hard way about how, you know, the rule in corporate structures of you're not supposed to talk about your salary. Well, of course, everybody talks about salary because you find out who makes more than you do no matter what. She's like, this is illegal. They're not supposed to do this. I'm like, well, I can call them if you really want me to, but you'll be out of a job by (laughs) Thursday. But it was really funny like just watching your kids learn something that simple, you know, that everybody's kind of experienced to some mm-hmm. level or not. But it when you first like, oh, this is how the bureaucracy works. Oh, these are regulation and rules, but they don't really apply because the corporate you know, it's been interesting watching them learn that. So yeah, I'm glad she thought to call the attorney general. I'm glad I was there to talk her off that ledge and, and she's done very well since then. <laughs> but that it's it's just that sort of stuff is you, you learn you hear about politics and then you experience politics, whether it's through a regulation or yeah, law yeah. enforcement or whatever, and it changes your opinion, and then you have kids. No, you you want that person at the DMV to know what they're doing. You want that person doing your Social Security to know what they're doing. You, you need good people and good institutions in there. You don't want to burn it all down. But you do need to run the bad people out from time to time, and we've failed to do that and need to do more of it.
1: Yeah, we haven't done that and man. I don't know how many. I don't know how many decades. Maybe maybe a, maybe a hundred years. You know. Maybe it's, it's
0: amazing when I go. To, I went to D.C. a couple times last year for various things. I was there in the, back in the spring for the Appalachian Policy Conference. It's amazing just walking around D.C. to see the kind of people that are in D.C. And you don't want to stereotype folks, but it's it's just always. I always get imposter syndrome in D.C. I'm always like, yeah, I don't belong here, man. Oh, like, I just I get angry, put, man. I can put I just... the suit on. Yeah, like, I can put the suit on and sit on the stage, but I'm like, I I. How soul sucking! All due respect, everybody does this because it's important stuff. So like, I couldn't do this every day; I would just hate myself.
1: All due respect, but you're all a bunch of soulless monsters. You know, all well, due they're respect.
0: Not, they're not, but for what I'm just, you know, like I can go for a couple of days and do the thing. But I was like, people do this all the time, and this is their whole lives. And I'm just like, I can't, I couldn't do this. Man, DC, I couldn't do
1: this. Is you know, Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, "I become all things to all men by any means necessary. I might save some." And that is, I suck at that. (laughs) i just like, I'm so bad at it, man. uh, I'm so bad at following that example. When I'm in D.C., I'm just like, man, these are not my people. Like, I don't belong here. I don't get it. I don't live my life the way these people do. I felt when my wife and I were in Europe on vacation, I felt the same way about Paris, man. I hated it. Every second I was in Paris, I was just like, I just, I'm not... I'm not like them. <laughs> like, this is not, like, these are not my people. I can't relate. It's just nothing, you know, I have nothing in common with these people. The underhanded smoking bugs me.
0: It's, it's, yeah, everybody has their one little thing that really drives them crazy that's just completely irrational. I hate the underhanded smoking thing.
1: Oh, yeah. It drives yeah, yeah. me
0: absolutely nothing. Like, vvv. And they're holding this, like, what, what, what? No, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I, and I, you know, I lived in Europe. I loved living in Europe. I would live in Europe again. But there, there's a thing, there's something about, Paris that was completely different than being in Germany or the UK or wherever. It's just different. And and it's so and it, to be fair to them, I I you know, if you're that saturated with tourists, I'd probably be pretty cranky too. So <laughs> yeah, maybe fair. I should give them a break. But no, it's, it's 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 that thing of what do you want to do with your life? I'm glad there's people there that do that work. I know a lot of really good people that work at think tanks and stuff, and I'm glad mm-hmm. they do that so I can read it and sound like I know what I'm talking about. Right. I'm glad they do that stuff. I I couldn't do it. I, yeah. I just couldn't. I'm I'm always happy to get back on the train and and get back to the house and, um, it's usually about a six hour train ride and I I was joking I was like, um, that's six hours on the train coming back out of D.C. I almost need that to decompress, yeah, really, like just kind of uh, okay I can go back to the regular world now because it's so different.
1: I I just couldn't ever be like what what traditional media is and and even new media like what we've been talking about this last hour I just can't. When I started this show and got, because I'd never worked in politics before, I, you know, I'd, I'd only been a professional musician and nothing else. I'd done nothing else professionally my entire life. You know, I started the band I'm currently in when I was 17. I was a junior in high school, and that's all I've been doing since. But it's like the things I want to talk about and write about are the evil things government does that gets people killed, right? Like it's, it's like this pol- policy X got a bunch of people killed, and I want to talk about that and try to. A, you know, bring it to people's attention. Hopefully, we can vote some people out, and policy X stops happening, and people stop dying. Like that. That's just what I care about. That's how I view the world of politics. And so it's like I could never be one of these team sport douchebags. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like I couldn't just be a always or a never Trump or an always or never anything. Because it's like, well, Trump. Like I voted for Trump twice. In 2020, yeah. he got a lot of people killed, man. Yeah. I know people personally who overdosed and died. Because Trump was too much of a coward to to fight against the lockdowns and stuff like that. And it's like, what am I going to do? Not because I voted for the guy. I'm not going to talk about that on the show. Of course not. And, you know, and then I I lost a lot of my audience, you know, for just telling the truth about Donald Trump. And it's like, guys, I, I just don't. To be a team sport, to be a team player in politics, you have to look past piles of bodies. Like physical dead Americans. And I'm just not willing. Like, it's I, I could never if I ever do that. Donaldson punch me in the face. <laughs> yeah. Drive to Ohio started,
0: and give me a good started, one, man. This spring I started writing a local paper for local a column for the local paper in West Virginia Fayette Tribune. I I grew up in next door in Nicholas County. I went to church in in Highco Fayette County. Um, so there's probably maybe a few thousand people on the planet Earth that cares that there's no public water in Heiko, West Virginia, where the church I grew up in, you turn the nozzle on, and it just runs red sulfur sludge that smells like rotten eggs for about a minute and a half, two minutes, and then it finally runs, and then you let it run about another minute, and then you get whatever you can actually use for whatever, right? It's been that way for thir- since my whole lifetime, and God knows how long before that. Well, now you five minutes away, you have the New, Na- new River Gorge National Park, and we have more visitors than everywhere. So I get to write a column about hey, by the way, while we're talking infrastructure, can the people in HICO finally get water? They've been promised it 40 years. Maybe we could actually run it the extra two miles that it's required. Like, not, We're putting a pipeline through the whole state. We can run a water line for two miles, right? right? So that sounds like a little small thing. But I found writing about those local issues, I, I wrote a column about the fire department. I actually went national. It was really funny just yeah, yeah. because they put out a fire. The lightning, here's your metaphor. The lightning struck the funeral home. Um, and they had to go put the fire out, and they they did they set like a record for the response time. God, God bless them, but it's writing about stuff like that it puts into perspective when I come back and I write about you know Trump versus DeSantis or whatever. yeah, yeah. like I don't want to ever lose that, and I went back to doing that on purpose. It's like most people do not follow presidential politics that closely until they go to vote. Most people would like their water line fixed or yeah. their road paved and we've got to get back to local focus on government and that'll fix a lot of this other mess because everybody wants to fix everybody else's problem and don't want to fix our own and if you get involved trust me because now i go home and people have the column i wrote marked and annotated waiting for me because these are people i know i grew up around them right they yeah, cut yeah. it out and give it to my mom at church like hey i read his column and da 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 da, da. okay there's accountability there let's let's do more of that let's let's Take government locally back and start with that before we try to save the whole country because you're going to do it that way a lot faster and it'll make a difference in your community.
1: Absolutely, couldn't agree more, my friend.
0: Andrew, where can everybody uh,
1: follow you? Check out your stuff, your new Substack, your show. Uh, give us all the plugs.
0: Yeah, we're we're excited. We we haven't done shows in a while for a lot of reasons. We're going to recorded a new one this morning that'll be out later this week. But uh, four for the fire Twitter. Uh, Herd Tell is the name of our podcast. We're conglomerating all of my writing and TV. I do a lot of TV and media and all that other stuff. All that will be com. That'll be launching. You can go on there now. We just haven't officially launched. It is up. You can find everything there, one-stop shop. Herd Tell, H-E-A-R-D Tell, because I've been told I have an accent, but Herd Tell, uh, and we're really excited to get programs going. I'm going to get you on because we haven't had you on in a long time, my friend. It's uh, been so like we're
1: Sepik probably over a
0: year by now. Oh the Ohio primaries in twenty twenty. Really? I haven't been on we your show since about. then. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. Wow. So we gotta get we gotta get you on. And uh we're gonna do some conservation stuff. We're gonna talk some hunting and fishing too. I we'll have to get you on there. I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna pair you up with maybe Gabby Hoffman, some other folks, and get you on. We're gonna talk some conservation cause, uh I love my woodland stuff. But appreciate your time. Uh always enjoy talking to you, man, and uh find us. We do good work and uh I always like talking to you, man. You keep me on my toes, too, because we don't agree on everything. But I appreciate you, my friend.
1: Yeah, you balance out my uh, radicalism pretty well. I always appreciate that, buddy. <laughs> Everybody follow Andrew. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.